Okay, everybody, welcome back to our Kansas State podcast. As usual, yours truly, Kellis Robinette is here, and I'm once again joined by Blair Kirkhoff, who um, had a great weekend from what I can tell. Not only did he get to come over and listen to Phil Jackson talk some hoops at the Tech Winter Celebration of Life, but he got to see the Kansas City Chiefs. And you know what? In, in years past, I wasn't so jealous that you got to cover the Chiefs, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting that way. They are a lot of fun to watch. Uh, they were they were amazing on on Sunday night against the Bengals. I tell you what, it's not what NBC had in mind when they flexed the game to Sunday night. That was originally going to be a, a noon kickoff, and it was the 49ers and the Rams that was uh, that was going to be the night game. They got that, that one got moved to the afternoon. Chiefs got moved tonight, and I think um, I think NBC wanted a competitive game, and they did not get it. It was um, the Chiefs' offense rolled like it's been rolling all season, but the big story was just how well their defense played. If their defense plays like this, then, I mean, I you hate, hate to get fans' hopes up really high, but I don't know what the, the potential may be unlimited for this Chiefs team. Right. Well, uh, a, a friend of mine a few weeks ago made a made a bet on the radio that he thought the Chiefs would get to the Super Bowl, and he was getting you know, getting in on the basement on that, getting a lot of people to join in and say he was crazy. But I'm, I'm starting to think he might have – might have had the good side of the bet on that one. Well, and especially if they can get, you know, they keep keep this record and, and end up playing playoff games at home because this was one of those games on Sunday night where you saw where the crowd really had an impact on on the game that Andy Dalton couldn't audible and um, and, and you had Bengals players jumping offside. It was just um, it was one one of those games where Arrowhead Stadium made a difference and uh, it hasn't made much of a difference in the playoffs the last few years, but but. Uh, this is a different team, different quarterback, kind of a different vibe around around this Chiefs team. Yeah, well, that's, okay, enough Chiefs, as interesting as they are. Uh, tell me about the sex winner ceremony. Um, you you covered this one while I, I couldn't make it. I've I've spent a lot, you know, much of the last week writing about text, so I was a little disappointed I couldn't uh, be there and listen to Phil Jackson talk. But it sounded like uh, a pretty good good celebration, cool celebration. What was it like to hear Phil talk about uh, talk about the great K State legend? Well, the whole the, the whole thing was really well done. I mean, kudos to to who who, who th- those who organized it, put it all together, and arranged the the speakers and um, uh, the music. It was it was re- it was very nice. You know, someone commented to me afterwards that wouldn't it have been wouldn't have been cooler to have that in uh, in a hern instead of Bramwich. Oh yeah. Thought, yeah. You know, because I, I guess Jack Hartman's um, uh, tribute was was in Ahern, and, and and you know, part of me says yes, but the other part says you know, for for just logistics, parking, and and uh, and whatnot, uh, Bramwich was a was an ideal site, and it was uh, uh, like I said, the setup, it was all really well done, and, and Phil Jackson was the fifth speaker, fifth of five speakers um, that that day, and 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 by the time we we got to Phil the. Pretty much the tears had had, um, had been wiped away. There were some family members who who had uh, very with some very moving tributes to to Tex Winter. Uh, but by the time Phil Jackson spoke, it was more uh, anecdotal and just uh, you know the, the the craziness of uh, of Tex Winter. Some of the stories that he told about uh, you know Tex as a uh, you know as a um, you know assistant coach who loved. Loved his meals, who loved his uh, garage sales, and uh, uh, and so it was. It, it ended on a really high note. It was, it was neat to see Phil Jackson there, the most, you know, the most successful NBA coach of all time. Um, 
sitting there in, in the middle of Bramlage Coliseum paying tribute to what I think, and this is something you and I had chatted about, I think is the most significant figure in, in Kansas State basketball history. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. He's the only man associated with all four of Kansas State's Final Four appearances. He won a boatload of championships and then backed it up with NBA success. Um, you know, one thing I've noticed a lot lately um, from people among the Kansas State fan base is people saying, you know what, uh, maybe he's been a little bit under-recognized around here. You know, the, the, the road leading up to the practice facility is named Tex Winter Drive. Um, but I've, I've seen some people lately – argue that maybe the court should be named after him or I, I his name should be somewhere up there under yeah. rafters or something like that. What, what do you think about that? Do you think that's wild to, to rename the quarter after him? I do not. I, I think that would be a fitting tribute um, to to Tex. You know, he he was um, – uh, you, you mentioned the championships. He won eight Big 8 championships in 15 seasons at Kansas State. That's a remarkable – a remarkable success rate. Um, you mentioned the Final Fours. You know, he came as, a, as, a, as an assistant right after World War II, along with, with, uh, with, with when Jack Gardner was the head coach, and then Tex went off to become the head coach at Marquette for a couple of years. And, and when Jack left, uh, Tex was the what I would think of as an easy choice to become Kansas State's head coach. And it was the greatest period in Kansas State basketball history. I mean, it, it simply was the the fifties into the sixties. The not only the Big Eight championships, but the Bob Boozer and Jack Parr eras, uh, Willie Murrell taking the team to the 64, uh, Final Four, the, which was won by, well, K-State lost to, to John Wooden, who won his first NCAA, NCAA title that year in KC. So, uh, he is, um, it would have been neat, you know, you know, history is always, um, you know, a fickle thing. It would have been neat if he was able to stay, if he had stayed at Kansas State. A little bit longer, uh, 15 years is, um, you know, just, uh, I, I can see if, if someone were to argue that, uh, they'll, they'll save the naming of, of a court for someone who, you know, has been to, been at Kansas State longer or maybe wins a national championship or something like that. But I think in this moment in time, um, to go over, you know, to, to review a hundred years or whatever it was, century plus of Kansas State basketball, there has just been no uh, no more historically significant figure than, than Tex, and I, I would be in favor of uh, of the K State Wildcats playing on Tex Winter Court. Yeah, that would be pretty neat, um, and I think it's a you know a pretty good idea just because there is no the court is unnamed, the uh, the arena is named after a booster, um, and, and as successful as. Kansas State has been historically basketball wise. That would be an interesting way to honor him. Um, I I will say they are planning to honor him with a patch with a special patch this season. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, they, they found um, they found a special, uh, a unique uh, Wildcat logo that they wore during the the Tex Winter era, and they're gonna they're gonna bring that back and stick it somewhere on the uniform. Um, I guess they they looked into maybe doing a triangle tribute thing, but they they went this way. So so they will mm-hmm. they will honor him some way. But yeah, six winter court would be pretty neat. Yeah, you know he's in the he's in the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. Oh, that that came too late. I mean they, that wasn't until 2011. They should have been in the Basketball Hall of Fame long before then. He's in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. He's um, you know just the the number of rings, 11 NBA title rings. That's I don't care if you're the head coach, the assistant coach. That's just an amazing. Amazing um, accomplishment, and and as you pointed out, when you wrote the original story about his death, there 
luminary small over the basketball uh, landscape. We're paying tribute to to Tex Winter, including Kobe Bryant, and you know Bill Jackson was telling Michael Jordan Tex Winter stories, and he he was. Look, he, he, he had a front row seat and even, even if you can even be closer to the court than a front row seat to some of the greatest basketball that's ever been played with those Bulls and Lakers and, and not to mention his K-State success. So, um, he's, he's a person I, I think deserving of any tribute that, uh, that could be made to him. Well, what the, the last thing I'll say on it is, uh, Jacob Pullen, when he, he was here a week or two ago, had a funny story about it. Somebody asked him about Tex Winter, and he said that um, when he first got to Kansas State, he didn't really know all that much of him. And he said he asked Frank Martin something about, you know, like, why, uh, what's, what's Tex Winter's significance here or whatever. And uh, Frank, he said Frank Martin gave him, like, this weird look and said, um, you can't play for me until you can come back and – uh, you know, not only tell me about, tell me who Tex Winter is, but truly appreciate all he did for the game. And, you know, that took, that, he said that took him by surprise and he immediately went out and, and read his book on the triangle offense and stuff and, and just felt really stupid that he, he was naive enough to not realize who he was. No, that's uh, a great story. And, and truly, uh, learned to appreciate him, but. Um, yeah, so it's a great guy. It's pretty neat that the basketball world is honored in the way they have. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town, just $0.08 cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash SportsPass. Football to be played this week. Uh, Switch gears a little bit. Kansas State at Oklahoma. The Wildcats are 23 and a half point underdogs now in this game. That is a huge, huge line. I can't recall seeing a bigger one um, since I've been covering the Cats. So clearly, uh, no one's expecting him to win this game. Uh, it, it was interesting today at the press conference that Bill, I asked Bill Snyder what I thought kind of was just a generic question about what he thought about. Army, when they played Oklahoma and, and gave them a lot of fits and almost actually won the game by just pounding the ball and keeping the ball away from Oklahoma, and he just lit up talking about how great it would be if K-State could do the same thing. But I don't know if they're going to go in there and just um, run it as much as they can or what, but you know, they might have to get creative in ways to win this. What, what do you think? Do you think they got any shot here? Can they get creative enough to, to pull an upset? Well, that, I'll tell you what, that was a really smart question and good observation because, you know, obviously Oklahoma's not going to see in Kansas State or any other opponent uh, the, the, the type of the triple option offense that Army runs. But, but what, what Army did in that game, uh, which nobody saw because it wasn't televised, it was, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but so, so you had to watch highlights or follow it on, online, but what Army did was, uh, they controlled the clock and ended up with, I, I believe, more than 40 minutes uh, of possession time and and doubled the number of plays. Ran like 80 plays to 
to somewhere in the 40s for Oklahoma and and beat or not beat but uh, gave the Sooners all it wanted had to win Oklahoma had needed overtime to win that game uh, against a uh, an Army team that it, the program's improved over the last few years but should have no business being able to stay on the field with with Oklahoma but they did it just by um, by doing the things that we've associated Bill Snyder teams with over the years and that is you know, being able to bleed the clock and run run the ball successfully and uh, not make mistakes, not turn it over. Um, you know, and some of the some of the very best Kansas State teams have done that. Now, you know, they, they led with the quarterback running, and that's um, you know that's less part of what they're about now. But um, but you know, still it, it's it's still in the repertoire for for Kansas State and. Um, uh, you know, that is the, I think that's the pathway for, for success is to, you know, keep, keep this incredible Oklahoma offense and Kyler Murray off the field as much as possible and, uh, try to, you know, try to bleed clock and, and go on five, six, seven minute possessions, um, and, and, and end them with touchdowns and not field goals. That's something else Army did. They, they were able to get the ball into the end zone and sometimes that meant, um, fourth down opportunities, you know, having to, you know, trying to keep keep the drive alive by converting fourth and fourth and one, fourth and two, and um, I, I think I think in, to to win a game like this, you, you almost have to have take a few risks like that, and um, you know, own possession time, own total plays, don't turn it over, and, and end drives with with touchdowns instead of field goals, and I, I think that's. That's the way to to have a chance to beat this this team that uh, that's now kind of crawling its way back into college football playoff conversation. Yeah, um, I mean, what what do you think of Oklahoma? Do you think they're still the Big Twelve best? Do you think Texas has passed them? Do you think they're in a trio with West Virginia? Where, where do you think they're at right now? Yeah, I don't think it's as good as last year's team because I just think Baker Mayfield, as good as as, Mur- as good as Murray is, I just think Baker Mayfield's a, you know, was it was it's kind of a generational type of talent, and uh, we're seeing what he's doing with the Browns. So, um, uh, and, and you know, there's enough turmoil on on, on this, this Sooners team that they've uh, they've changed. You know, they're they're two games into their second defensive coordinator, uh, Ruffin McNeil. So. Uh, after firing Bob Stoops in the off week, so it's not a you know it just it doesn't seem like it's a um, uh, they're they haven't done the things that you'd expect a championship level team to to do this year. And I I think going into the season we we saw Oklahoma as uh, the favorite to win the Big Twelve, but but not a prohibitive favorite. And uh, this would be a little bit of a transition year with uh, without uh, without Baker Mayfield. So. Uh, I, I still think I, I'm not sure that they're the best team in the Big 12. They've already lost one league game, and un, but un, and unlike last year when it was you know Iowa State pulling the upset in Norman, you still had a you know that was that seemed fluky at the time. And even though Iowa State has gone on to do really nice things under Matt Campbell, you didn't feel like if they had played ten times it'd be a five-five split. Um, this year they got you know they Texas played them pretty well in, in beating them and. Um, and I, if someone wanted to argue with me that Texas is the better team, I, I would go along with that. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens down the stretch. Oklahoma can't afford to lose again if it wants to, you know, have a you know keep a keep alive in, in the championship run. They've already lost the tiebreaker to Texas, so they've got to have, they have a, they have to be better than Texas to, to to finish first. And 
You know, I, I think what we're looking at, though, is the, these two teams, Texas and OE, playing for the Big 12 title uh, at the end of the year in um, Cowboy Stadium. But um, uh, but I, I don't – you know, I'm, I'm curious to – wondering how Oklahoma sees this game and sees K-State as an opponent because at three and four, Kansas State doesn't have a whole lot to hang its hat on except for one really, really good half of football last uh, two weeks ago, right, against Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a harsh, harsh and realistic way to look at things. Um, but to their credit, Kansas State did get a lot figured out that game. Um, I, I personally don't love their chances here. I, I know Army gave them fits, but they <laughs> the yardage they got was just so methodical. I mean, they yeah, ran oh, for yeah. like three three hundred and fifty yards on seventy eight carries, and it was just like four yards, four yards, four yards, four yards. <laughs> Uh, I was reading Oklahoma had a guy who, who had 28 tackles in the game. That is crazy to me. Um, I, you know, Alex Barnes is it, if he's on, that's not his game. Uh, he's got, you know, he we've seen the last few weeks he's got some breakaway capabilities. They'll try to beat Oklahoma on the ground, obviously, um, but I don't think they can do it in exactly that way. If they're going to win or even challenge, I think honestly, Skylar Thompson has to have a good game. You know, not that he has to throw for 250 yards or something, but he has to have a good completion percentage. He has to keep Oklahoma's defense honest, and that's something that the the Wildcats couldn't do, say, when they played Texas early on. Uh, Texas right. knew the run was coming and totally took it away from them. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't love Kansas State's chances here, but the good news for them is, you know what, if they can go into this week, um, do some good things and stay healthy, that game right afterwards, TCU, with all the turmoil they're having, that's all of a sudden looking winnable. Then you get Kansas after that. If you can make it through this week and then win those two, all of a sudden you're looking and you're, you're looking and feeling pretty good about a bowl game again. Well, then you're five and five, right? If you yep. lose this week, win the next two, you're five and five with two chances to get to bowl eligibility. And uh, and at this point for Kansas State, that's what's you know, that's what I'm looking at and. Um, it, it may be a little less than what I thought in the preseason that seemed was capable of, but I think a lot of opinions changed after. For me, it started with the Mississippi State game and um, and, and just how they got beat up on in, in that on that afternoon. So uh, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I I don't have confidence uh, in in Kansas State this weekend at OU. Um, I, I, 23 does seem like a really large number. I, I can. I can see the Wildcats having some success on offense and being able to uh, keep the scoring down a little bit. And uh, but but can 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 Alex Barnes in this offense um, you know score enough to to keep up? I, I I don't know. But my question to you is: Is it fixed? Are you convinced? Is is, is it fixed for for the Wildcats on both sides of the ball? Do they uh, have they made the right adjustments? Made made the right uh, you know calls to to feel good about. Uh, the way things set up in the last uh, five games. Well, I think I think they've at least found their identity on both sides of the ball. They finally figured out how to run the ball effectively, which is what we thought they'd do all season. Right. And on defense, they figured out a way to um, blitz and do all these certain things without giving up big plays. And they they really did look great against Oklahoma State. But obviously, that's just you know. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are on the same level. I, I wasn't honestly all that impressed with Oklahoma State. I thought they looked bad, quite frankly. So uh to now go on the road and play Oklahoma much the level of difficulty is raised significantly. 
Um, so, like I said, if they can just show some signs of progress this week and keep that going as the season continues, I think I think that's probably what they're looking for here more than actually pulling out a win. But um, now stranger things have happened. I guess we'll see. All right, so my other question to you is, I'm, I'm reading that Alex Delton is uh, close to returning. What, what's the what's the plan for him going forward? Boy, I don't know. Um, I think most Kansas State fans at this point would, um, as long as Skylar Thompson is healthy, just, you know, ride him and not even have Alex Delton in the picture because um, that's, that's where the offense has looked at its best lately with, with Thompson leading the way. Um, you know, if, if he comes back uh, this week or thereafter, you know, I, I don't know what Bill Snyder's plan is. Does he still think that uh, he's worth getting on the field for one or two series every game, um, regardless of how Skylar Thompson is playing? I don't know. But um, Coach Snyder has been more complimentary of Skylar the past few weeks. He even said earlier, uh, earlier this week that he thought Skylar was coming into his own. And I, I think he's in impressed with the way Skyler's been putting his body out there as a as a runner. He's been scrambling last week against Oklahoma State. He he dove for the pylon against two defenders. Right. And that's something he really wasn't doing uh earlier in the season. He was doing a lot more sliding and just not fighting for yards and that's not something Bill Snyder likes. So I, I think no. he's taken some steps in that direction where maybe he does he has opened up and trusts him a little bit more. That long touchdown run he had against Baylor was one of his, uh, his better better plays of the year. That was that was impressive. Yeah, um, 50 plus yards. Yeah. yeah, no, that was uh, for me. That that's kind of when it for me. It's when it's it's kind of changed for him. I know they didn't win the game, but uh, I just thought that he got confidence from that. The offense the offense found confidence in him, and he just seems to be a different guy since then. Yeah. So he'll he'll try to keep that going this week, and uh, we'll we'll keep the podcast going next week as well, and hopefully talk a little bit more basketball. So, all right, Blair, thanks as always. We'll see you soon. Okay, Kellis, take care.